Hi everyone, and welcome to Marvelous Podcast, where this week we're going to talk about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. It came out a little while ago at the cinema, and because we've had all the what-if-what-ifness going on, we're now recording about it, I think just in time for Disney+, Plus, so everyone can get back on and watch it for their third, fourth, fifth, or even maybe first time. I'm Matthew, I'm joined by Laura. Hello. And I'm joined by Abby. Hello. Let's get straight into our conversation. What did you each think of this film, Laura? This film has all of the things I hate. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Voiceover, lots of flashbacks, and lots of focus on the fighty fighty kick kick bits. I really wasn't particularly interested in the film because of the promotion and being from what I saw, although I avoid trailers, there was a lot of talk about the fighting, um, which meant I didn't get around to see it until four weeks post release, which is very unusual for me for a Marvel. And that's why it's such a shock that I really loved it. Oh, good. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just had to scare you a bit. Uh, yeah, top tier Marvel for me. Took my second viewing uh, because my first one was interrupted by me being trapped in the middle of a tween Romeo and Juliet situation, which uh, really rather affected my view of the film, particularly the beginning with the subtitles. Um, I didn't really understand what was going on. But second viewing, quiet cinema. Yeah, loved it. Good. Hooray. I'm glad to hear it. Abby, what did you think? Well, I haven't seen the first possibly five minutes or so of this film. So assuming nothing <laughs> earth shatteringly ruinous happens in them, um, it probably won't surprise anyone to know that I absolutely loved it. Like this is, this is my thing. Crucially, it's um, the kind of Marvel film that I can remember. Woo-hoo! It's the kind of Marvel <laughs> film that I understand or I came away feeling like I had understood the plot. Uh, loved the characters, could remember all the characters, was interested in all the characters Fighty, fighty, kick, kick was just really good, interesting, telling a story, doing something positive. Um, and I think positive is a really nice word for it. Like, it it was very upbeat, I think, for something that is so emotive and has got some quite hard stuff in its core. I just felt really uplifted and curious and delighted by it. And I'm just so glad that we got this strand to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, I'm just just really happy it exists. I had a great time. I can't wait to watch it again. Oh, good. How about you, Matthew? I thought it was very nice. It's (laughs) absolutely up there with Ant-Man as a good Marvel film, you know. (laughs) Absolutely up there with Ant-Man is is a sentence you could cross-stitch, isn't it? It's... I've seen Ant-Man described as the sorbet of the MCU. Yeah. You know, nice palate cleanser. I've probably said that before. Um, I don't think this is, you know, it's not quite that bland is not the word, but that um, Melba toast. Um, But at the same time, it doesn't quite, I, I don't know what about it, but it doesn't quite have the sort of set pieces and things that I want to go and see again. I'm really pleased to have seen it and I really enjoyed it. And I'll catch it again on my next MCU rewatch. Awesome. So you know, oh, really when it comes out on Disney Plus, you're not going to be watching it then. I probably will, uh, just okay. because, but but not in the same way where other films will come out. I've been like, oh, I'd really like to see that again, yeah. and I've looked up clips of it online to go, oh yeah, let's see that bit again. Uh, comparing it to, let's say, Captain Marvel mm-hmm. um, as another, you know, sort of origin introduction story. I wanted to go and see that fight at the end of Captain Marvel again and her getting her suit, power costume thing. Because those were cool moments that I absolutely loved. 
I, I haven't walked away from this one feeling that same vibe. Except for one of the stars, which I'm sure we'll talk about when we get to it. Interesting. I, I do think how it functions as, as a Marvel origin story is a conversation that I'm looking forward to having with you both. Mm. Okay, that's, let's dive into it, because it's not... Uh, I, the thing I think I compare it to is Black Panther. It's not an origin story. It's an introduction and adventure for this character. They They have their powers. They have their sort of established thing. There is some of this where it's telling him not running away from his past and so on, but we're not seeing him getting the arc reactor, getting the shield, and so on. He has already got his powers, and it's just him using them for an adventure. For him. I think that this is, is an origin story in the sense of it, it's about kind of becoming and assuming yourself, um, taking something on. It, it isn't just using the powers, it's about deciding to become a character to become mm. the person that you you have the potential to be and i think that's what a good origin story is in it's it's the sense of responsibility um i think it's his hero origin story because mm-hmm. he had the powers of a killer before that's what he was trained to be an assassin mm-hmm. and it's almost a bit like he d- he had the fighting skills but not the confidence and the belief Okay. Not the orientation, I think, uh, and the purpose. And I think that's where the whole thing with Tallow and his aunt Nan, mm-hmm. and the whole connecting—you know—all of his. Uh, she keeps to, saying to him, connecting her to the two sides, the good and the bad within him. Mm. Um. So that then at the end he is believed. I did, I did buy it as setting him up as an MCU hero, mm-hmm. which I think within one because I mean Black Panther. We already knew Black Panther. I don't Black Panther. I don't necessarily think it was an origin story because he was introduced in um, Civil War. But I think more of that's an origin story for Wakanda and everybody else. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think with Black Panther, it's it's a bit different as well because Black Panther is kind of pre-existing, and then there's T'Challa. Yeah. And that's that's more about stepping into the the pre-existing role. Yeah. It, well, and exactly, it's him becoming the king. Yeah. Yeah even more than he had before in establishing his, you know, actual dominance of Wakanda. I don't know. I don't know. I'm waffling. Um, one one thing I did actually find with this that was different, definitely different to Black Panther is I really enjoyed it. It was really fun. But I didn't feel emotionally connected to it. I didn't cry at all. And there were plenty of places that I would have thought mm-hmm. would have prompted that, particularly with the family stuff. Normally that hits. But I do think maybe I am, I am now dead inside after the pandemic. Because I, you know, I cry at anything normally, but I had exactly the same with Black Widow, and there's so many things. I mean, it's Widow, obviously, I was going to be very engaged, but it was, I think, third viewing, for, and then suddenly I started tearing up over over right. the things that happened in that film. So I'm hoping it comes on Disney Plus, and I get the third one. Hopefully, we'll have that. But yeah, I think that's a really nice point, though, because I cry at anything and everything, but but this one wasn't about that, and it wasn't about sort of a um, an audience-based manipulation. Like, I think it's a different kind of Marvel cinema. It doesn't mm-hmm. need you to cry. It doesn't need you to have that level of depth. And, it, and it's not really interested in, in manipulating you through that because it has an independent story to tell. And I think there were elements that I found really, really difficult. Um, we're going to have a problem. I've forgotten absolutely everyone's name in this film, which is a slight problem. But I think... and. Obviously, it's worth pointing out that we're going to be talking 
I would assume, in some detail about this film. And therefore, if you haven't seen it, spoilers abound. Oh, yeah. um, you know, that's that's what we're doing. So um, just that central deception of just, this is not your dead wife, mm-hmm. I found very, very, I don't know, effective, let's mm-hmm. say. Okay. But it didn't make me want to cry. And mm-hmm. and it, it, it wasn't about me. I think that's the thing. This is not a film about me. And it doesn't need my reactions. It's telling me something, which I can take or leave. Mm-hmm. And I think that I, I just came out all the better for it. And it was quite nice not to go through the ringer for the sake of it as well i really did feel that i was glad not to have had to be taken down to be built back up or left in a mm. in a feelings place it felt different in that sense but i'm kind of glad that you mentioned it because i don't think it's about being dead inside i think it's i think it's a different relationship that it wants uh, and I think it speaks to that this is, you're right, it's a different sort of Marvel film because I think they're looking at a different sort of storytelling tradition and, and the way we look at the custom of people passing on. In the West, there is a heavy view of loss and that person not being around anymore, but it, but we saw in this film them honouring the dead and remembering the dead mm-hmm. and talking about them and keeping them alive in that way. So the, the way we treat the emotion of it, I think, is very different. And and I think that came across. I, I I'm not close enough to the, the origin of it to be able to say, oh yeah, this is exactly like Chinese cinema, and mm. you know, clearly I'm not the person to talk about that. But it felt at least a step removed from the very Western Hollywood cinema that we get for Marvel films towards something different. Yeah, I, it's not really any deaths or that that would when I'm thinking through the film. It's more the family stuff that would normally mm-hmm. get me, but didn't. So it'll be interesting to see see what happens mm. there. You mentioned Nan. Go on. I was just going to say, I love Michelle Yeoh. There wasn't well, I love Michelle Yeoh. I, I will throw in a new rule to the, um, <laughs> you know. I know what the rule is. Thing thing to our 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 podcast that uh, an appearance of Michelle Yeoh is the requisite number of tilders. Because <laughs> I adore her. Every time she's in anything, anything, I will watch her in. And and when she rocks up, she turned up in Gunpowder Milkshake. It was like, oh, yeah, the film got really good now. Great. <laughs> You know, I was enjoying it well enough before, but now, oh, she's in Star Trek. Brilliant. This is the best Star Trek there's ever been. <laughs> Until Tilda rocks up in Picard or something, you know. Because <laughs> she's great in this. She really is. Yeah. And and I, because I'd seen her in one of the trailers. Like you, Laura, I don't go seeking out the trailers, but if I'm at the cinema and they're on, then, you know, fine, you see them. And I'd seen her in one of the trailers. So I think I'd assumed she was the mother. So I was really confused during all the battle sequences. Like, this doesn't look like young Michelle Yeoh, but okay. And then it wasn't. And then she's the aunt. It's like, okay, that fine. It all makes sense. And now maybe she can be in future films. Cool, 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 cool. I still try in the cinema. I do the eyes closed and fingers in my ears and try and like... I just... (laughs) At least the eyes closed bit does work to a degree because I don't necessarily remember what they've said. Whereas if you've got Mm -hmm. the visual as well. Anyway, little window into myself um, like I'm really interested Matthew saying that you didn't think there were set pieces that particularly grabbed you because hmm. when I think about this film and I think again completely against my usual instincts I think of the two fighty fighty kick kick scenes with the mm-hmm. bus and with the um, the scaffolding in Macau mm-hmm. and I thought both of those were some of the best things I've seen from the MCU with the fighting oh cool and so they did they didn't grab you they're very well done. It feels like the stuff I've seen in Jackie Chan films and so on, and, and other 
you know, again, films of this type. So I'm like, oh, yeah, that was really good. See, I don't have a big Jackie yeah. Chan ex- ex- back catalogue. So, so mm. I think a lot of this stuff is new for me and therefore is exciting yeah. because of that. And and, and I, I think it really helps because had it just been sort of traditional kind of kung fu karate fighting that we see in other films, mm. it, we would have gone, oh, yes, it's a very good martial arts film. But but the, that I'm calling it the Jackie Chan style. There is probably a proper name for it, but that it's just using everyday things and swinging off stuff. And just it's just so grounded in reality. That you are just scrabbling and trying to get one over yeah. on the person you're fighting. It, it's always much more engaging. And I know the so. jacket thing on the bus mm-hmm. is a Jackie Chan, or, or I, I am led to believe that it's a Jackie Chan move. Okay. I just thought it's so cool. It's cool. <laughs> he takes the yeah. jacket off, uses it, and somehow puts it back on again. <laughs> but even, and all of the kind of the swinging around the poles, and the, even just the way that he gets himself into the driver's seat is so mm-hmm. beautiful. Mm. And I just, I just found the fighting, which normally is a bit where I take a bit of a nap, so beautifully done and so clever. I really want to see the assembled for this, which is coming at some point. Mm. I want to know how much he's doing and how much is stunt, because I do okay. believe that Simu Lu does have a martial arts background. I think he does anyway. No I don't know. No I'm, I'm, I'm also I, I interested a, to say. I have yeah. a feeling he does. So I, I just don't know how much, you know, if, how much he was able to do. Um, but then also the the Tao Lo fight scenes at the beginning and then um, mm-hmm. and then uh, in the third act. I just, all that, that, that's, I mean, that is dancing. Just beautiful. And I think that that's what I would say. I mean, I have a reasonable Jackie Chan background and a strong kind of Bruce Lee background and various kinds of martial arts films and Chinese films and Japanese films and all sorts of, I, I will watch all sorts of fighty kick kick films because why wouldn't you? Um, and yeah, I, I thought the bus stuff was fun. I think that I particularly enjoyed Aquafina and the bus sequences and, and the way that that she interacted with those sequences was was almost more interesting to me because that's different. Mm. And that's about the kind of film that we're watching now and the kind of characters that we're watching now. And I really, really enjoyed those elements to it. Um, and again, in Macau, like, it, it's it's the context. And, and it's less kind of the actual kind of swinging around the scaffolding and, and doing those things. Because, you know, you can always see something that cost more or was more dangerous or is more athletic or whatever. You can always kind of add more to those elements. But I felt the whole context and showing it and it being in a Marvel film with a global release with these characters having these core sequences during it and and this meaning to the fight that's happening. Like, Mm -hmm. this film doesn't exist for that fight sequence, which is a difference from from some of those films and and some of those those actors because you know these are showcases for their skills and their sequences and this is not that this is not a showcase for Simulu's fighting skills this is not a showcase for those particular set pieces yes they're cool for the trailer yes they're clips that we'll talk about but mm-hmm. overall that's not what they're bringing necessarily in totality to the MCU i will say that once you get to dragons, now you're talking. Like that's <laughs> that's the thing we're bringing to the MCU, and I'm here for it. 
So before we move on to dragons, just one other thing on the fighting that I did have a bit of a question over is Shaling, his sister. This idea that she managed to train to that level just by watching, I didn't buy that. Because that's sort of the equivalent of saying, I watch YouTube videos and now I can do this. I think there's a lot about much of the training with these things is in the mind and you practice in the mind and you would have an element of you know you would go through a certain amount of, of physical exercise and being anyway mm-hmm. as a person so if you can if you can process it mentally you can achieve it physically i believe that to be a tenet of much of martial arts okay i could be wrong but i i bought it for her character um and i quite liked the idea that that just nobody thought about what what she might take on as oh, a no, result completely. of that. I, I like that, and I really liked her character and the portrayal mm. and everything. So I'm just trying not to just gush about the entire film. So that was yeah. something <laughs> which I was yeah. kind of like, oh, I don't, I don't know about this. I do yeah. like her rope dart, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just very many inventive, cool mm. elements. So dragons. Yeah. Talk about the dragons. We finally have dragons in the MCU. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how much more we may or may not get dragons. And I think that that it's it's a little difficult because, you know, obviously in, in the dominant American presentation of culture, you get a lot of Game of Thrones dragons. Um, and now we're going to get more Game of Thrones kind of dragons and a bit of Hobbit dragon. And and this is a very different mm. presentation, a very different concept of a, a being that is is working with you towards a common goal, and uh, is less a pet. <laughs> mm. I think I I just I I found the kind of appearance and presentation and cooperation and animation <laughs> indeed really interesting in this film. It's one of the things I'm looking forward to seeing again because I was just I spent so much time just kind of going, wow, that's so cool, that's so interesting, but not really able to quite appreciate all of it because I was so busy looking at the logistics of what was happening, which always seemed to hold up for me. How did you find out? On first watch, I found the sort of switch into fantasy a little bit jarring because the rest of it felt pretty grounded, street level for for an MCU film. Um. And then suddenly we've got dragons, which on second watch, it is planted throughout. Mm-hmm. But it's quite a turn. And I, I didn't hate it at all, but I was a bit kind of like, okay. It just felt like a bit of a record scratch. Now we're, now there's dragons. Very cool dragons. Um, I like the way they were used and, and the difference between the the. Dweller in Darkness and the Great Protector mm-hmm. and what have you. Um, so yes, enjoyed it. I've seen some people complain about the CGI, which I thought looked fine. Yeah, yeah I thought it was, it was exceptionally good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I didn't see it in kind of 4K IMAX anything, but it no. was pretty good from where I was. Yeah. Um, what did you think about third act and the dragons? I. Uh, you, you're absolutely right. It's almost the place they have to go to with everything else they set up. There's a thing behind this door and we have to keep it out. No, there's a thing behind the door. There's a thing there. At some point you have to see the thing behind the door. Mm-hmm. You, you can't not reveal what's behind the door. Which I found a shame because I didn't want to see it. I, 
was enjoying the groundedness of it, that it was taking some of those fantasy aspects with Tallow and just a sort of vibe of, you know, a, a, an Eden other world type thing mm. without delving so deep into it. So fine when it came in, it was absolutely expected and it was beautiful. I was then disappointed that the Great Protector wasn't the Great Protector and seemed to be defeated until their exceptionism at the end allowed them to win. Um, Do you mean when it's trying to take its it, soul? Yeah. Mm. And I was like, oh, it's defeating the Great Protector. Oh, okay. Yeah, but the film's not called the Great Protector, is it? <laughs> no, but it is supposed to be the Great Protector. <laughs> and it turns out Shang Chi and the Ten Rings. I don't know. I just it, it jarred ever so slightly. I'm, I'm probably not um, elaborating on it in good enough wordings, but that was how I felt about it. Um, but I, I did enjoy it, and I enjoyed that it was because I think I've, I've said recently, and you were puzzled by it, that I like that the MCU doesn't go to fantasy even in this because yes, it is just a bit of fantasy, mm. and the rest of it is real people in the real world doing stuff with these things from space or whatever we're going to see in Eternals or something mm. like that. So mm. I found I found it really interesting because for me it, it <laughs> I mean feel free to <laughs> point out at any point the dragons apparently aren't real but I actually didn't see it as a shift into fantasy I just found it perfectly acceptable and just and it felt absolutely logical to me it felt like like a core grounded element of of these things it, it felt very in balance with the world that we were looking at and I I thought that the way everyone threaded into their role around the dragons all the more realistic i don't i know it yeah for me it didn't feel like we'd gone into fantasy we went into a level of fantasy as soon as we entered that that world mm. but mm-hmm. from now on in i was just very all in and and i actually i didn't really find the dragons so much a distraction it's just a kind of just a, a logical delight it's like you know when you get exceptionally beautiful horses turn up if if I'll be you know someone's brought the lipizzanas in and now we're all doing these perfect trots and it's all very nice and you just kind of go yes it's it felt a bit like that like it it all added up for me and and I don't know if I I don't know what I brought to it perhaps mm. that that led to that but yeah there should be more horses in the MCU there aren't many horses in I'm the MCU thinking. when you think about it are there yeah, a lot I mean, of spaceships does even Thor well, that's the have thing. horses Thor has horses. We've discussed Thor and horses. Oh, yeah, we have, not we? Which is yeah. why I'm <laughs> side-eyeing you while we were having that conversation. But there's, um, there's still not as anyway. many as you as you might have. I mean, you know, Valkyrie. Yeah, yeah true. Pegasus. But, flying horse. But even um, so, the Americans don't have a lot of horses. So whilst, whilst we're on Tallow... Yes. And... <laughs> yeah, well, we'll move on from that comment. Because... <laughs> Huge ranch countries. And... <laughs> there are a lot of No, I don't mean States. actual America. I mean the American people in the Marvel films. Okay. <laughs> don't <laughs> have. Not America. That's what I mean. America has so many horses, <laughs> but it's MCU people. Very few yeah. to none. They tend to be more city <laughs> folk, horses. don't they? Exactly. And yes, that was that's my fair. point. <laughs> not many horses in San Francisco. Yes. Um, on Tallow. Mm. And we can. Cut this, skip this. This can be a really weird tangent we can just move on from. I felt the 
knock-on effects of the casting of Tilda Swinton as the Ancient One. Okay. Because the Ancient One was traditionally a Chinese stereotype yeah. in comic books, as was Wong. And they have improved Wong's character and given more stuff there. And it was casting someone who was not a man and of a different ethnicity. Well, white, yes. As Tilda. Well, exactly. But, well, you know, but they were changing up the character and the trope of it, which I can I can see the impetus, but was also, yes, is whitewashing. Yeah. And it's particularly when Michelle Yeoh exists. But I felt that the styling of the Ancient One, the clothes she wore and some of the fighting sequences we saw from her, I felt echoes of that in Tallow. Okay. And I do wonder if either it was there to be seen, Mm. And they'd sort of borrowed some of that identity and idea from it. Or if they would have gone harder on it, had they actually cast someone like Michelle Yeoh instead of Tilda Swinton. Mm. Trust you to bring the Tilda into it. I think it's an interesting tangent. I'd be curious to know if um, how many of the choreographers and so on have a direct line mm. through those films. Oh, that's fair. Like how, mm. much of, how much of the Marvel stable was involved in both pieces yeah. of those things because I would hope that, that any choreographer working on multiple films would draw mm. lines where lines were there to be drawn and mm. I don't think it would be inappropriate for the ancient one to have a line through in her fighting style to to that kind of thing so mm. I, I think it's I think it's notable and I think that it is unlikely to be a mistake <laughs> yeah <laughs> because, you recognize that because the mad their magic so mm-hmm. the ancient one and um, Wong and Doc Strange mm. is the same color as the rings when Shang Chi's got them. Yes, and and that that I think that's part of the thing because the the motion and obviously they are having this sort of you know, elemental martial art feels very much like the casting of spells that we see in Doctor Strange. Yeah, hmm. Hmm. interesting. And I think that that's certainly part of the of the energy that is being tapped and orchestrated and used Mm. Mm. yeah i think there's definitely a common element there and i hope that that's the kind of thing that we'll see explored although although, skipping about a bit that Mm -hmm. um post credit scene with wong he doesn't know anything about these rings and he's not sort of saying oh there is you know a similar energy to what we use or but I, i also i also like that 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 we get um these kind of interactions with Wong, but it's not like he's he's walking in and being like, "Let me guide you to this thing that I have no, nothing no. to do with." It's I, I I like that, but it was also good to see him. Mm, absolutely, um, but yeah, on on the the jarring fantasy thing, it wasn't um, just to be clear, it wasn't the dragons. It was actually mm. just the entry into Tarlo to start with. That then it was sense. kind of we went through this forest, and it's like, oh, so this is a different film. <laughs> just just for a while. Yeah, we've gone up a level. Yeah, <laughs> we've gone somewhere what, else what's now. Going on here? Um, but all of those creatures were really cool. I mean, Morris was just for, for oh, a little Morris. fluffy thing that doesn't have a face. They managed to make a hell of a lot of character out of it. Um, and I want an Imperial Guard lion. Also, <laughs> having said that, this isn't a Marvel film that wants to kind of toy with your heartstrings and elicit certain responses from you. I really felt that Morris was an absolute play on. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Plushy. Just when you thought we'd kind of sorted out cuddly animals. This yeah. one's not even got a face and you're attached to it. Yeah, and you're still going to buy the plushie of it, aren't you? Yeah, it's having a laugh. <laughs> and I love it. A real challenge for the marketing Loved department. it. Loved it. Poor old Morris. What a joy. Because, yeah, be- between that and the Flurkin and Alligator Loki, <laughs> and I'm sure there's been something else, another animal in the MCU. 
God, they're all turning into Disney princesses, aren't they? With the animal. Well, well, I, I wonder if they are setting up a, you know, a cartoon spin-off the animals of the MCU or something. Or here for the cartoon I'm spin-off. Sure. I'm sure. Because DC have announced the DC League of Super Pets, and I just have a half <laughs> thing of: Are they just trying to get their first, basically? Well, Does, isn't Bucky meant to have a cat or something? Maybe on the in internet. In the comics, people have been talking about mm. about you marrying a cat. Anyway. Sorry. Okay. Um, yeah. Do, do we want to talk Trevor Slattery? Who I keep wanting to call Tony just Slattery. Just deeply. I, I, I always want really to call Tony do. Slattery. Yeah. Let's just call him Tony Slattery. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, uh, did you expect him to turn up? I was really annoyed. I was spoiled. Ah. Two hours before I went to the cinema. Oh, oh no. I to a podcast about What If, Aww. and they mentioned about him turning up, and I was so angry, because I'd been so good. I was accidentally spoiled on Wong being in it. Um, again, when I was mm. partaking in some What If mm. information, mm. Um, what if um, analysis, and then, uh, yeah, which it was still, I really like what they did with him. I mean, they basically had him say to camera, practically we kind of made a mistake with what we were doing in Iron Man 3, uh, which I thought was interesting. Um, I really liked Iron Man 3, but I can see why there were um, some people who were not happy about what happened with Mandarin there. And I just thought he was funny. I thought he was in it just about the right amount. Okay. How about you? Uh, I think there was too much Trevor Slattery. Uh, really? I would have toned that down at least 50, 50 to 100%. Somewhere in, in, in that realm, really? I would have moved him. I didn't know he was in this, and I should have. Um, and particularly having having rewatched the All Hail the King thing, which I must have watched yeah. when it came out, because I've definitely seen it, mm. but watching it going, going, yeah, why didn't I think he was going to be in this? Why didn't I, you know, put that together? Well, I... Until I was spoiled, I had no idea they were going to bring him back. Mm. So it it was quite nice, like making him the way that they got there. You know, that was fine, but I, I've never enjoyed him in any, anything else anyway, except for when he was pretending to be Mandarin, and then the reveal that he's actually a you know out of work actor. Like mm. that was fine in Iron Man three, and I could have had that. That could have been the totality of Trevor Tony. Mm. Happy. I mean, I absolutely loved him, and and okay. I, I agree though, in a sense that we probably should have had less of him, and I think in part because because that's actually not who I'm here to see, mm. and I didn't know he was going to be in it. I I may have done a little gasp of joy when <laughs> I suddenly realised he was going to be here. I thought it would be a little cameo. I didn't think he'd be coming along for the ride. What I did like, um. Again, I think an element that I liked about this whole film was once he was along for the ride, it wasn't a casual thing. He was embedded mm. into it and, and his character kind of had meaning and and consequence in being along for the ride, which I really think is something, you know, so often you'll get characters and you'll be like, I thought so-and-so was here. And then you'll see them kind of in the melee later on and, and it just doesn't mean anything. So I, mm. I really like that once he was cut. there, he was there. Mm. Yeah, mm. exactly. And and I I did like... That if you if you're going to do that, you're going to do that. But gosh, I just I find him really, really watchable, really entertaining, very, very good value. Mm. And and I think again, watching that Marvel short, I was just like, I could watch. I have such a capacity for this nonsense. I really, it's my thing. Wow. Just verbose 
overblown people who think a lot of themselves and have this really inflated sense of a very small aspect of themselves. So there's the great British comedy I, I was, set I up. was about to say, yeah, like nonsense is the right word because this is a character yeah. from um, ever-decreasing circles yeah. or Hello, Reminds Hello. me of Ed Reardon's week, mm. you know, you expect him to talk about his episode of Tenko in a minute. And it's just, <laughs> it's just, he's just so much the kind of thing that I love to watch. And, and yeah, I did. I did find it a bit, a bit distracting because I just enjoyed that performance. I loved him in Iron Man three, and I thought that the balance was very good in Iron Man three. And I really enjoyed the way it took the wind out of that mm. plot. Again, I understand why it was difficult, why people were so frustrated. But like, the Mandarin is such a thing, and like, how could you do this? Mm. And and I, I sort of would be interested to know, you know, obviously the internet is a, is a big place and we've moved a long way since Iron Man 3, but I would love to know what people mm. who were crossing Iron Man 3, I want to know what they thought of this. I was thinking exactly because the same thing. Because I still thing. wonder, mm. yeah, yeah, I still wonder how, how you feel. And I think that we've dealt very well. I for me, for me, not necessarily matters, I think that we've dealt very well with the choices of Iron Man 3. But what did people think about how the Mandarin played out in, in this I mean, what did you think about that? About uh, how much Mandarin we got versus how much Trevor we got, for example. As in, when Wu, proper Mandarin. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I didn't think we didn't see enough of Wen Wu. Um, that, that's kind of what, what I'm wondering. No, I, I, I felt... And, and he was threaded throughout the entire film because we saw him at the mm. beginning and then... Mm. Um, and one thing I did think this film handled very well was the flashbacks, which normally I'm a bit kind of, oh my God... But yeah. the way they were paced throughout, and the, I don't, you always knew exactly where you were, and mm. and um, and they added. Um, Did you feel that we got the weight of and the sort of in a way the scale of the Mandarin versus this kind of really intense flashpoint villain from Iron Man Three, which is just kind of like it's not that's not the thing, and then in this it was. It was just such a different a tone and presentation and, and everything. And then thinking now, we've done that now. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely bought that he was this warrior lord who's been around for a thousand, a thousand years and then has managed to, in, moderna, in modernity, get his fingers in all of the pies. Um, I bought that. And, oh God, I'm blanking his name. Tony Lung? Is that mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Tony Lung just when when I look at him objectively, he's a relatively normal looking man. But in this <laughs> his eyes I mean I've got one note that is just Tony Tony Lung eyes <laughs> because he's doing so much with them. Yeah. That's a wonderful performance, isn't it? I just yeah, I um yeah, I was. I got quite lost. <laughs> <laughs> I I was delighted having him. So so he's into quite famous um, films called one one called Infernal Affairs and one called Hero, both about the same time. And he's phenomenal, and they're phenomenal films. They are on the list of you know films you must go and see if you can. Hero's great. Um, yeah, Hero. In fact, I yeah. absolutely must watch that. Laura, again. it is all Got fighty that. fighty kick kick, but it's probably mm. the most beautiful it's ever been. Yeah, okay. and I'm saying this as someone who yep. didn't like Crouching Tiger that much. Mm -hmm. Hero is superb. Yeah, Hero. Hero um, is. The one. Infernal Affairs oh. is the film that The Departed is based on. 
Mm-hmm. So same mm-hmm. story, but Infernal Affairs is probably better. Mm. Um, I'm not supposed to say that serious film person. No. <laughs> um, I loved how much he was used, and I think this is another sort of peg in, in the tick in the plus column for Marvel doing its villains well, because. Mm. Like Kill Killmonger is now going to be held up as the you know we can actually see his point of view, although not necessarily the way he's going about it. I think you can see mm. when Wu's point of view, or he doesn't have a a point of view directly, but you can sort of understand him putting you know, seeking and attaining power and then putting the power down and what he did with that, and then this manipulation that you see him going through, and his motivation tracks. Yeah, yes, I think absolutely. that's the thing, and. and Whilst he does villainous things so you can't let him survive or go without some sort of punishment in, in you know, traditional storytelling, it's enough by the end that you you can sort of buy the redemptive moments at the end. You know, yes, this is a character who wanted the best for his son and, and wanted to, uh, you know, have the family with him. Mm, I didn't <laughs> no? know that. Okay. No, I don't think. The first time I watched it, I was a bit put off by one minute he seemed to like have, as far as he's concerned, killed his son, turned around as if it was nothing and got on with things. And then he's sort of sacrificing himself to, to save his son mm. very quickly. But then second viewing, I was like, well, okay, yeah, but the what the difference between, sorry, what changed between those two points is the Dweller in Darkness came out and he realised that no, his wife is not behind that mm-hmm. gate. So that mm. made more sense. But I don't know if I even still buy that he wanted the best for his son. Pre, pre yeah, his wife I, being killed, obviously, and him becoming a villain again. Yeah, but we don't see a lot of his pre his wife being killed. Hmm. But uh, sorry, not not post him putting down the rings and then yeah, pre her being killed. Yeah. We don't see a lot of that. Um, we only really see him with a with Shang Chi as a baby, I think. Mm-hmm. But we see the life they had built together. And yeah, the piece they yeah, have found. yes, absolutely. Mm. Uh, but what Shang Chi's seven, I think, when that happens. Okay. So for the rest of his life, his father has built him up to be a killer for a blood debt. Mm. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I think, I think that I kind of buy the way that that sort of trope is used. That mm. kind of all-consuming thing and I think that the way that the rings are brought in as potentially contributing to that mm. is quite interesting as well and that, that kind of you know power corrupts mm-hmm. and you know what what you pay the most attention to is what becomes that dominant force I, I think that that change in him was rapid and dramatic and just as rapid and dramatic as as it's shown in the reversal as you say once he's once you know the scales fall away he's he's got nothing left to pin all of those things on it and he's completely different Mm. and i feel like that rapidity of change is what he was dealing with in the first instance Whilst I I don't know if I, I think you're right, like we don't necessarily know that he was set up to be like world's number one dad. Um, I do buy that enormous shift. I think that's very interesting, and and I like it. I like it. I 
I think I'm somewhere between both of you. I don't think of him as as an empathetic villain, but I think of him as as a villain whose the internal workings are clear and logical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No. Absolutely. I think it's that. And I think that's what I particularly liked about him. And that's also why, you know, again, I I didn't cry. And I like that the film doesn't think you should. I think the film doesn't think Mm. that he deserves you to cry Mm. about this. It's the the only way it was going to go. As as Matthew says, you know, he had done too many things for for a redemptive, happy life, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and, and continuing future. But, and and I think yeah. circling back to the the uh, kind of the core point, he's not shouting at them because he wants more power, and this is a way of getting it. In in the you know the traditional MCU villains that, <laughs> that we can't even remember their names, mm. but he's not. They're not trying to just now do Killmonger and Loki. You know, yeah, somewhat again, someone else that we go. Oh, they're quite interesting, and they've got their own story going on that they're the central character of. What made him interesting to me is that he wasn't shouty. Mm. He didn't need to be. Yeah, and it's interesting. You're talking about the power corrupting and potentially the rings corrupting him. I think it's the other way around. I think he corrupted the rings, Ooh. and that's why he, the rings are blue for him. And then they're gold oh, like when um, Lee at the beginning, the mother, and then when Shang Li have them, Shang Chi has them. I like that, mm. and and I think that's that's a nice note as well, and just kind of where where your intentions mm. lie. I think. And because I missed the very beginning, I don't know if I feel qualified to talk about kind of the rings in themselves, but, um, you know, it, not not to draw the obvious parallel, but actually, obviously, to do it. Um, Lord of the Rings, you know, we spend a lot of time with the ring and the nature of the ring and trying to understand from this kind of sort of quite obscure perspective the nature of the ring. And I'm just kind of curious what you thought about the rings and sort of what they are and... and does anyone say in the first five minutes? <laughs> Just out of interest. No, the introduction to them is um, is when we're riding on a horse. There is a horse. Mm. Um, with like longer hair and clearly and being attacked by arrows and things. So it's clearly a long time ago. And it says that, you know, it's kind of lost to legend how he came across them. He may have found them in a tomb or may have something else. So we don't really get any actual... Mm explanation as to where they're from mm-hmm. just that he's got them and by having them he then you know becomes this incredibly powerful warlord um and so kind of what what do you think it will mean going forward the having of the rings and do we think they're bound to shang chi or uh, that takes me to the post-credit scenes mm-hmm. if we're ready for that mm-hmm. i mean i have a lot more about the non-post-credit scenes. No, but yes. same. We, we jumped about all over the place as usual, <laughs> so we might as well. Yeah, so obviously we've got the first one with um, Wong and they're examining the rings. And we've got our beacon going off. So for me, that has to be to do with Eternals because it's the next film. Feels it, doesn't it? Outer spacey. Mm. Yeah. And although I don't think necessarily a beacon for the Eternals... No. But maybe a beacon for something that the Eternals will then fight. Yes. And with the various things I've read and listened to in that, there was a lot of talk, I think, from the Marvel team of trying not to make the rings too much like the Infinity Stones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which makes me think they are going to be quite big in the future. Okay. 
So as if they're all different. Well, I think in the comics, because in the comics they're rings, aren't they? Actually, finger rings. And I think each, I um, read somewhere each one did something different or had some different, it's similar to the Infinity Stones. So I don't know if that's what they were talking about and they're not going to do that or or what, I don't know. But um, I thought they, I loved the way they were animated. I thought the way they moved and Mm. and the, the hand movements to be able to move them and everything. I, I thought they and the way they were used to to sort of jump from place to place and things it all makes sense you know this the pushing of um of energy down to be able to do that in the same way that um scarlet witch flies and, and stuff hmm. um so there's that one and then on the second credit scene where we've got Sharling and her new ten rings and then at the end it says that the ten rings will return not Shang Chi will return hmm. That's the message that comes up. That's a good up. point. Yeah. So is that the Ten Rings, the organisational return, or is it Shang-Chi's Ten Rings or return? I took it as the organisation. I did, but could be. Mm. And it looks like they're setting up um, Shaoling as a... Looks like they're setting up Shaoling as an antagonist, potentially, the way she sits in that chair. She doesn't look like a goodie. And so is she going to go after the rings? Because she's also off tallow, so mm-hmm. will they come to her in the same way that they they came to Shang-Chi? I, know. I wondered if that was going to be something linking into Val and the Dark Avengers, whatever that's going to be. Mm, that feels like that's that side of all the pieces coming on the board. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. She, she did feel like someone building a resource, and I, I thought it was... Such an interesting sequence because it, in this day and age, it doesn't look good, does it? Building an army, whoever it's comprised of, <laughs> it's it's a bit edgy well, as, as a thing to do. It's a fact also that as far as Shang Chi was concerned, she was there dismantling it. Mm-hmm. That makes me think, yeah, this is. Mm. And, and as she said, you know, if if her father wouldn't let her into his empire, she's going to build her own. Mm-hmm. I don't think you let go of that kind of power that mm-hmm. easily. Mm-hmm. And so I think she might be a bit of a Killmonger character that you know sort of has turned to the good when needed. But um... and like Sharon Carter, you know, they could be continually used as shades of grey characters. Yeah, which would be more interesting than just people we have to defeat. Or she's a scroll. Or she's a scroll. <laughs> <laughs> but certainly, in terms of people, you know, characters we're invested in and have empathy with and are curious about and ideally would like to keep watching. Mm. I do think that starts to bring in, as you say, this kind of different layer into the MCU. I'd I'd watch a Ten Rings Disney Plus show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. I also wonder, you know, as well, with, with kind of all the widows that mm-hmm. we had being trained up, you know, it looked like a kind of opportunity for a summer camp kind of thing, <laughs> you know, like an exchange, exchange maybe. Program. Yeah. Like a kind of, you know, you get into rival schools or maybe a cheerleading competition. I don't know. It's, there was a lot of scope. Hmm. For, did you um... did you spot the widow? Yeah, in the um, scene where they're coming into the Golden Daggers fight club. In one of the rooms, you've got um, a widow fighting um, one of the extremist guys from... Oh, okay. Country. Cool, cool, cool. Nice. nice. Good. Mm. Fun. Good. Alright, well. So Marvel likes to make its characters fight each other. 
talking of the Fight Club. <laughs> so they just couldn't find any other way to do it, so they just wedged one in. Yeah. Hey, what if we made these two fight each other? It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> and you have you have him fighting his sister as the follow-up to Wong fighting the Abomination. <laughs> which yeah. it turns out is a training fight. I don't I was wondering, is it that it's a scam? Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's more mm-hmm. how I took it. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's saying you're hitting too hard because you're not bloody meant to be hitting me that right, hard. Right, yeah, yeah. So we're doing a performance yeah. here. Yeah. Come on. Okay, yeah, 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 I can see that. Because um, he needs to make money for his, because he can't afford his tuna melt or whatever it was from the <laughs> yeah. end game. Um, no, Infinity War. Because have we heard Abomination showing up in something else? Mm, she Hulk. She Hulk. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So they're just they're just reminding us that, that character exists. I think so. Yeah. But but yeah, then we're getting into and brother and sister have to fight, and he doesn't want to yes. fight her, but she makes him fight her. Brilliant. <laughs> I did enjoy that. Hmm. I enjoyed that a lot. That was a great fight as well. It was it was, you know, <laughs> just it was just what I wanted. Hmm. Mm. I, I liked it as a setup that they've both got skills and they're matched. Oh yeah, and mm. they're matched. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. always nice. Mm. I I had a question for the two of you that mm. if you could pick any cage fight to happen in the MCU, if you were Kevin Feige and you had this <laughs> love of your characters fighting each other, who would you make fight each other on command? Because <laughs> I have that power. I would like to see. Agatha Harkness mm-hmm. versus the Ancient One. Ooh. Nice. Ooh. Cool. I'd like to see Because I don't know who would win that. I know obviously Tilda because she's Tilda, but <laughs> the other one's Catherine Hahn. So, no. The, the person who can rewind time, probably, you know. Yeah, but Agatha's got some moves. Okay. Yeah, she's and, got some illusions. And she can, and the Ancient One can only rewind time if she's got the Agamemnon. And it's interesting that you're saying... Agatha versus the Ancient One, not Scarlet Witch versus the Ancient One. Yeah, because the thing is, Agatha and the Ancient One have both been around for a while, so I also think there could be some fun catching up on stuff. You know, where were you when? <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> so what you want is the bar afterwards yeah. when yeah, they're just yeah, kind yeah. of patching, the patching things and, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just kind of sponging. <laughs> That's a very different film. <laughs> Um, Abby, did you think of anything? Groot and Vision. Because okay. I, feel, I feel like Vision's got issues with, with fighting a tree. Okay, okay. And Groot has no issues with fighting Vision. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I just really want to see that. I just I feel like there's some short-circuiting going on that would be really, really fun. I, I, just, I, I just want to see how it would go. You could write it any Anyway, it would be fun. It's always fun. That's, nice. I, I just had a lot of fun thinking about mm. that. Go on, think about it. It's great. You'll have you'll have a good time. <laughs> what was yours, Matthew? I like we've never really had Cap and Bucky, which would be quite interesting. And at the, <laughs> at the same time, I'd quite like the, the sort of ordinary people to fight at some point. Pe- wait, 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 how have we not had? Did you see Winter Soldier? Well, but not a proper. Do you remember Winter Soldier? Because Abby doesn't. But do you? <laughs> they don't. They don't have a proper fist fight extended sequence, do they? That's like half the film. Is it? Is okay. Them fighting okay. each other in the street. Fine. Okay. Yeah, but that's all guns and other people coming in and 
there's there's an extent okay. there's a relatively extended okay. bit where there's like a really funky thing they do with knives. I, I'd be interested in just a random, you know, the humans of the MCU. So Pepper Potts versus Jane versus Pepper, yeah, <laughs> something <laughs> random like that. Um, oh, I did think of one oh. again. I just feel like going to go straight to the bar and do shots <laughs> instead. <laughs> but I really enjoyed Loki fighting in Loki. So I think Loki against anyone because we've never really had Loki fighting in that way and, and having a big set. Loki versus Scarlet Witch. Now that's <laughs> some powers you want to see. Loki versus the Ancient One. Yeah. Because she'd have none of this nonsense. No. Mm. Ah. I, I feel like Ancient One is a bit like, like what are you going to do? really? But that's I thought that's why Agatha was a good match because I feel, mm. as you say, Agatha's got some below the belt magic. Mm. That you're just not supposed to use, mm. but she she doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> good mm. question. Okay. Mm, it is a good question. It's good fun. So in this film, where are we off to next? Let's rewind a bit because we did go to a credit the end of credit scene. Can we can we go to Aquafina? Mm. Let's Aquafina and her character. Let's let's go there because I mean I I love her work. I'm fascinated by. This character, I really enjoyed that she wasn't the love interest. I had expected that. I can't remember the last time I, I saw two people of presenting opposite genders being allowed to be friends just and just completely operate as friends with no downside or, you know, one comment just to clarify their status. But just, I I don't know if I've, if I've seen such a thing as this in a mainstream American film. I love how comfortable they are with each other. Yeah, like proper, mm. proper friends. Mm. Really nice kind of vibe. And and, and I, I liked. I mean, I liked everything about it because Aquafina is amazing, and is another one that it's exciting when she comes on screen. I liked that while she had a bit of a story in this and a bit of a thing she got to do at the end, it wasn't she went on her own arc and her own thing. It was just oh, we, we've paid a lot of money for her to be in the film, so we'll give her some stuff. But we're going to keep all the all the focus over here and the emotional beats over here. That's good. She did have an arc, though. Mm. I I thought so, and and I also thought that that it's the same thing. She's along for the ride, but it's not without point. Mm. We're yeah. constantly kind of checking in on her. We are constantly. She's she's not there for no reason, and while she's there, she is living her own storyline. Mm. And having her own journey, growth, development, and consequences to it. And she's there with Shang-Chi, and he wouldn't necessarily get through the film without mm-hmm. her. But but that's... It's just not the big flag that you usually get. She's not a sidekick. She's a contributor. You know, and, and she's in her own... She's in her own... She's the protagonist in her version of this story. I really liked her in the character. I really liked the character. I did wonder kind of from the point when when Wu captures them. I did find it a bit weird then that she was kind of hanging about. Because, you know, when he brings the his his children and he puts the pendants in the dragon eyes, you know, mm-hmm. to have that, that amazing actual water and then the crystal mm-hmm. um, path. And she's kind of stood there and he'd be like, would, would, he, would he bring her into this? What's she doing? I don't know. And also in Tallow, it was a bit kind of like, oh, 
what's she doing here? Oh, so that did feel a bit and she, tagging and along. she's the archer who survived, who gets through this miracle shot right at the end. Yeah, I've gone back and forth on this because it was a bloody big target she was aiming at. She didn't kill it. Mm-hmm. She just distracted it. Mm-hmm. And the very first time she fires the arrow, she's pretty close to the target. So I don't know. Lucky shot, but also perhaps she's got some aiming skill. She's pretty good with the car. So that's some spatial yeah. awareness. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think in a sense there's there's something about her being sort of taken in both by the film and by the story and by the village, you know, it's, it's about her being welcomed Mm. into the story. And I think that there's in, in a sense, kind of her acceptance and, and involvement in the story is part of the thing that we're telling here, because this isn't a side of the MCU where humans are sidelined. Mm. It's, it, she also matters she doesn't have ten rings and she's not the child of whoever but she also is important Yeah, because she's there and she's participating and there's a payoff mm. to that and and I, I think that that's telling a story using slightly different language from that that we're used to and I think that that is why it potentially feels a bit awkward but she's she's a guest in, <laughs> in their home mm-hmm. if you like in a sense and mm welcomed into the plot yeah no i i there was nothing about the performance that i felt like it was just more oh, yeah, yeah. if you when yeah. you kind of think through this, no i mean this structurally I, I think it's a different i think it's a different structure that, that we're coming from mm. she's in their home so you know. I, it was really great to see her because i'm trying to think i think the only other films i've seen her in are oceans eight and crazy rich asians which she was great in both of those but it's a very much as a comedy performance. And it was great here seeing the other side as well. Mm-hmm. So when she is doing the more emotional parts, and it really does make me want to see The Farewell, which I know Abby mm. said was, was I good. I went on to watch that a week or so ago, and I just, I mean, she's very, very good okay, at all cool. the other parts of the thing. So, mm. you know, somebody who's got that breadth, I think, is just really exciting as well to see. You know, we've got so many actors in the MCU who do so many mm. very different types of film and it's it's lovely to see her in the cast. Yeah. And I really like that they didn't make Katie and Charlene catty as soon as they meet each other. Yeah. Um, did you get a moment of, how's this, oh, did you worry slightly when they met each other? Because I just, I, you know, I don't know. Sometimes when there are two women who are not necessarily connected in the way, I just worry that they will be catty. And I just kind of found myself really like being like, oh, no, how how will they get on? Yeah, I wasn't worried, but I think it's because like the first words out of their mouth is, I can't remember what Aquafina says, but it's some compliment to Charlene. And then she says, I like your trousers. It's, you know, immediate, and that's it. And it's just immediately, <laughs> we're fine with each other. Because, yeah, mm. it would have been, you know, it would not be unusual for mm. them to, you know, be kind of vying over over Shang-Chi. It, not from a romantic viewpoint, but just uh, mm. well, I'm power-wise or right to just be in painful. the scene-wise mm. or yeah. just constantly talking about him-wise. <laughs> so, I mean, and Aquafina is just incredibly charismatic. So I think that that always works. Yeah. Which brings me on to Simu Lee. 
what what did we think of of that performance? I liked him. I mm-hmm. I uh, thought it was quite in, an engaging character for something that I think I think feel like we've seen in other places. Mm. Uh, you know, someone trying to escape their past and being brought back into it. Um, I I liked his sort of affability. Maybe mm. that's the word. Um, just you know, confidence in himself. Maybe. Mm. And I know him well from Kim's Convenience, and I will say there wasn't a huge divergence from the character I'm used to from that. Mm. Um, so it wasn't one of those things where where I forgot who the actor was. If mm. if that adds up, I don't know if that if that really hurts it because I think that that's kind of it. It wouldn't be ludicrous for them to be the same for those two characters to be one character right. in a sense cuz cuz why not you know it's it's um you know he's coming from a, a space of being quite understated to a space of great power and and I think that that casting plays in, into that quite well but um yeah it's it, it's not earth shattering i liked his composure i thought that he matched some of the weight to things and just largely by being very quiet a lot of the time. Mm. Um and I think that what I particularly like was in those, as I say, like the friendship sequences, the karaoke, the the real world content, mm. that's where you see the personality and the character. And then the rest of it, he's really just kind of taking it in and sort of processing a lot of things that are happening and not over applying parts of himself that aren't necessarily relevant. Mm. Um, and I felt that went for both the actor and the character, in a way. Um, he he's not looking to to kind of make some sort of great grandiose statement about the new hero of the MCU is here. That's not mm. it. It's not that poster child hero. It felt quieter for me, and I think I think everything added up well. I, I like the performance. He's very charismatic and very likable. But then I was thinking, and I think it's probably more the writing than the performance, but if I tried to sort of explain Shang chis character, as you say, it's very understated compared to, mm. you know, a, an Iron Man or a Cap, mm-hmm. um, a Steve Cap. It's not really so about it's him. A bit like, is he a bit bland? I don't think that we see him in the sense of, of the Shang-Chi mm. that he is because at any point where he is defined by his powers, the circumstances are not about him. They're they're about the context. Yeah, but I mean just him as a personality. But but again, he's he's not occupying the space that he's lived in. This this is not something he does day in day out. We're seeing the first time that he uses mm. his powers like this. We're we're seeing a lot of first. He doesn't have characteristics. Is it's it's not like seeing Captain America doing the Captain America thing. It's not like like seeing Iron Man performing in the Iron Man way. This is the first time that we see those elements. And I do think that you know Matthew mentioned um, Captain Marvel earlier, and I think mm. that there are 
elements of of seeing Captain Marvel in in that kind of first stage of of things where no there is no definite character and personality but the the difference here is that is that we we leave that right after it's just happened there's no evolution there's no second boss <laughs> you know mm. it's it's not like this is kind of we're not really growing and changing his powered self here he's only just become and then we go back to karaoke but i mean even before even taking out the whole superhero thing i don't know he just felt a bit i don't know if he was really written as a main character as far, i think that might as well be where i'm i'm translating from kim's convenience and just being like yes yeah, same <laughs> i think yeah. i'm bringing a lot to that i'm i'm curious to see because clearly i'm pretty sure he's going to become a, a reasonably large part of the phase four going forward and i'm curious to see what he is now like in a film where you know he has now been set up Mm. um if we are going to get a bit more or if it is always going to be quite understated i wonder how he plays with others and uh, and when you again when we look at the other introductory films i wonder if some of it is again our experience with them yeah abby you're clearly bringing something from other media that I think we might have brought to Paul Rudd or Benedict Cumberbatch or other people when they're in- introduced, mm. that other people might go, oh, well, they weren't, wasn't much to them, but we can see what they're bringing from, you know, their history and other things. That's a really good point. You know where you could go mm. because it's Benedict Cumberbatch. Paul Rudd mm. is a really good example as well. Everyone knows what Paul Rudd can mm. do. Look the same for 40 years. Um, <laughs> and that's quite an interesting attribute in an Ant-Man. Um Oh yeah, I mean, I feel like Ant-Man is a, is an interesting one to bring up because I'm not sure I could tell you his defining characteristics. He's but then he's I mean, quippy and funny, know. don't you know? Unlike ninety seven percent of the other Marvel heroes, <laughs> you know, yeah. personality is not always line one of <laughs> of any of them. Maybe Thor. But... Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's quippy and he's got the strong ethical streak through him. Shang Chi. Yeah, I think he's got he's got an interest in the plot. No, sorry, I meant Ant Man. Ah, oh Ant Man. Mm-hmm. Okay, because the crimes he committed were True. to redistribute. Mm-hmm. He was Robin Hooding and, basically, and burglary. Hmm. I'd be lying if I told Robin you I could remember the plot of Ant Man. No, okay, let's not. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, I I think that Shang Chi has has an interest in the plot. I think that it's just some of those kind of lines, particularly around the, the the credit sequences and things, I think that he seems like someone who might interrogate the cause, the method. I don't know. He's, he seems like he might have something to say. I think I'd like that. I think I'd like some slightly more verbal, curious characters. Hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm going to be very curious to see how he then fits in, as you say, how he mm-hmm. plays with others. Because because where he is, he does seem a bit more understated, which is interesting to bring that into the mix. But I'm just thinking, put him up against a, a Doctor Strange, and he's going to just completely ride roughshod over him as far as you know, being I a I think he'd be, he'd, be, he'd be more like, ah, you, you, you can... You can be respectful, and we can have a discussion about this. Or I shan't. I simply shan't participate. I, 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 yeah, I would maybe. enjoy a character who 
kept their views to themselves more often than not and occasionally came out with the thing that pointed everyone in the right direction the, yeah. the voice of reason i wonder in part is that also then why we're gonna have katie with him yeah true true because i can see her being like uh-uh, mm. <laughs> not having that and and being a bit more vocal on his behalf mm. i don't know it'd be interesting to see and interesting to see how much she sticks in in a room that is more avengery assuming mm. that we have one of those in yeah. the future it was interesting avengers wasn't mentioned was it in the um post credit scene it was welcome to mm. the circus wasn't welcome to the avengers mm. okay I just got to point out that I was really disappointed in um, Carol's hair. <laughs> I just, I can't let this podcast go without being like, I was so sad about her hair. Sorry. <laughs> anyway. Okay. It has been noted. Thank you. <laughs> For the minutes. <laughs> what else do we want to pick up on this film? I want to ask you guys a question. Okay. So karaoke was clearly an important mm-hmm. plot. Uh, thread here if you could karaoke with any mcu characters who would they be and which song there is karaoke in captain marvel isn't there yes yeah because that's my that's my go-to because i bet brie larson is someone you can put alonis morissette on and just shriek at each other with mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. yeah because to be fair a lot of jack little pill is good karaoke because everyone knows it oh. who's our age so you can just jump up and down and sing it. Um, yeah. Brie, Brie Larson stroke Carol Danvers. One or the uh-huh. other I would do karaoke with. <laughs> and what, and the, just the whole of Jagged Little Bill uh, From beginning to end, including, <laughs> excuse me, including the silence and then the word poem thing at the end. <laughs> Abby. Star-Lord, not Chris Pratt. Star-Lord. <laughs> because... So Charlotte Star-Lord. <laughs> no well you know oh. what either you know either um <laughs> uh, the song would be take on me just because i can do it <laughs> and i've done it and it's on video so that's fine um <laughs> and uh, video you say yeah you should you should cut that out because someone with that video does occasionally listen to us so, um, anyway we will be taking submissions we will we will not um <laughs> but that would be fun and uh, yeah, no, I just I feel like Starlord would take it very seriously, and that would be you could you could have a good night in the karaoke bar with with any guardians. I think Nebula would get involved. I think it would get competitive. I think that would be great. <laughs> did, did you? Yeah, did you have one, Laura? Yeah, I um I also would be Carol Danvers because of her proven ability mm-hmm. to karaoke, and because I can't, so oh. I need that. Um, and I decided to go double MCU because I've gone from a song from the MCU, uh, and that's "Escape" the Pina Colada song, <laughs> because that is the perfect karaoke song. Which one's that? I think it's um, if you like Pina Coladas and taking walks in the rain. Uh, I think I, I, I think I only garments. know it if you have a tune under it, Laura. No freaking way! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the Guardians. <laughs> I'll cut a bit in. <laughs> I think also having having just seen uh, Venom two, let there be carnage. Uh-huh. I feel like you could have a, you could have a great night at karaoke with Venom, Venom. and could Eddie. Not... Oh yes, <laughs> with Venom and Eddie. Like, is do you know <laughs> what karaoke like... song would Venom do? <laughs> I am what I am, all by myself. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I'm just going back. You, we were talking about the Sugar Babes earlier, and I feel it would be something out of left field like that. 
maybe a boy's own. <laughs> just father and just son. Yeah. <laughs> good, 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 good. No, okay. I think I think Venom Karaoke is um, not without precedent. That's that's going to be good. Cool. Nice. Excellent. Do we have anything else we want to hit? I mean, I think one of the things to note that we haven't talked about is the fact this is a the first Asian superhero, mm-hmm. uh, and well, sorry, MCU superhero, and the first predominantly Asian cast in one of these films. However, we are three white people, and I don't think we are best placed. So instead, I will add a link to um, or a number of the great articles talking about this mm. in the show notes. And I think it's it's just kind of worth saying, as with all the MCU firsts, it's, you get to read some great journalism mm. from such a mm. wide variety of people that you don't get to hear from as much as you might like. And it's just one of those things where you end up just following so many more people and reading so mm. many more different things. And it's just nice. It's just nice to use these great um, juggernaut media endeavours mm-hmm. to broaden everybody's circle of input. Absolutely. Um, and I've really enjoyed that from Chang-Chi as I have from all the other extensions of the MCU that have, mm-hmm. have brought more voices into the general area. Um, and I think, yeah, it, it is It's really nice to see um, different sides of storytelling and different mythologies mm-hmm. and... and other elements playing in um, into this universe because it's not a universe if everyone's American. <laughs> it's just not. So, nice. Yeah. I mean, he is really still cool. American, but yeah. Is he not Canadian? Well, the character's Asian American. Okay. So. <laughs> I don't know. Um, see, when you say that again, it's having just watched All Hail the King, I can just think of. Tony Slattery going American. <laughs> that's that sort of weird accent drawl he puts on. <laughs> so that's our thoughts, and and I would recommend going and reading uh, some of the other views on this because there has been some really interesting discussions and critiques of it. So do check out your show notes. Um, as ever, we like hearing what other people think. So do make sure you hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, anywhere you can find us. Search for at Eloquent Gushing uh, and tell us what you thought of Shang-Chi, especially if you're watching it now. It's coming out on Disney Plus because I know it's going to find a whole new raft of people to watch it. Abby, where could people find you? At this A.E. Shaw on Twitter. And Laura. I'm at Laura Geeks Out on Twitter. We'll be back for more MCU goodness in the coming times. Do make sure you keep an eye out for whatever we release next. I don't know. Any quotes to close this out on? Marvellous. Marvellous. What, what was the oh, no, what, what was that thing? What was the thing? Um, perhaps we're overthinking this. Perhaps, perhaps, maybe, possibly, perhaps, we're overthinking this. <laughs>